Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey, I had to sit out for a bit. It was raining pretty hard for about 30, 40 minutes. Like a sunstorm, um, scattered thunderstorm. But you know, that's sort of, I think, drying up now. It's sort of been the challenge during COVID preaching out here. I don't look forward to it. I hope it's over soon, but I do understand that preaching out here is much better than preaching inside for all of us who are stuck at home. Um, but one of the things I didn't expect, as I, I joked often during COVID, is <laughs> didn't think that I would be I would go from being a minister to a streamer. But I know what that life feels like now. But you know, one of the things I didn't expect <laughs> before I go into my message just randomly is. You know, I thought people would, and people have texted, there are many about encouraging me, thanking me during the pandemic, uh, but I didn't expect people to talk about my hair so much. Like, I'm expecting, you know, some of the couples or, you know, guys would text me, like Andrew Lee, Dr. Andrew Lee would text me and be like, what's up with your hair? <laughs> Another person texts me, what's wrong with your hair t- this week? I'm like, okay, geez, <laughs> listen to the word of God. Okay, not my hair, but I guess that is a concern and it's flapping and sometimes weird. But thank you for uh, journeying with us through the pandemic. I know it's been a difficult season for me as well being out here, but uh, thank you for being patient and uh, really hanging in there and and getting through it together. I do really appreciate it. Um, And as we come back, as we end this series in Acts chapter 11, it's been three parts. Uh, first was personal, a vision of personal holiness, and then the vision of creating a culture of becoming more like Jesus. Uh, the first part, right, last week. Not as a cliche, but but actually becoming palpable. And today, we finish up. So let me just uh, recap. If we're going to create a culture of where becoming like Jesus becomes actually tenable, and palpable and not just a, uh, another cliche, then we said that to reassess culture, we have to look at first culture, how things really are, vision, a picture of how we want things really to be. And today we're going to go over values and application and strategy, how, how we get there, right? So um, today we'll, we'll go over values, application and strategy. Let's go to the scriptures and I'll be back with you in just a second. Hi everyone. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, He went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. 
Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, "Get up, Peter! Kill and eat." I replied, "Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth." The voice spoke from heaven a second time, "Do not call anything impure that God has made clean." This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, "Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved." As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as He had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered that what the Lord had said: "John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." So if God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, "So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life." And that is the word of the Lord. So in the beginning,、uh, as we started. The week prior, we asked a question: How can we, as a community, create a culture where becoming like Jesus, pursuing holiness, fully surrendering to God, is not a cliche, but actually palpable, can be felt in our community? It becomes realistic, a sign—not just a signpost, but a, a goalpost. It's where we score. It's where we live. It's our line in the sand. It's the flag. We've. Rounded and mounted because that's what we believe. So what we said was we have to look at we have to examine four things, right? Culture, how things really are, vision, what do we really want to see, and we today we come to values and strategy and applications together. So first we have to examine our values. Values, in many ways, are both axiomatic. And implicit, because in a sense, we can only see what we really are committed to internally, even though we might not have verbalized it at all, or even real realized it. Because behavior, in reality, is the highest form of belief. So actions speak louder than words because actions operate. In a very primitive, instinctual level, much higher than our cognition. So you can believe in one thing and act completely differently, and you might not even realize it. But that's what your values are. So, for example,、uh, for me, I say a lot of times I've been on a diet for a decade, 
or two. <sighs> Probably two. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I remember the story, and I shared it a couple of times during the last decade or so, so to refresh your memory. But uh, I remember in college, you know, I would really, I was really doing well, eating healthy. And, you know, one day I had a really stressful day. And so, you know, I knew that I was on a strict regimen of working out and things like that. So I first went to Subway. And subconsciously, in the back of my mind, I knew that this Subway didn't take credit cards. I know, right? Talk about FinTech, talk about Square and PayPal. I mean, this is 1999 or so like that. And, uh, <laughs> and I knew they only took cash. And, but I went in with my credit card thinking I'm going to get a sandwich, you know, just because you're having a rough day. And they're like, we don't take cash. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, well sorry. So, so think about that. What did I really want? Well, what I was really doing was what? Self-sabotaging my diet because what I really wanted was relief with the appearance of change. So at least I could pat myself in the back and say I tried. I had a rough day. So values are internal commitments. So sometimes sin enters our lives because, and, and we rationalize and euphemize sin because we said we had a rough day or this is because I'm going through this and that. And we excuse because values are never supposed to change, right? They are, they're the line in the sand. They're the plant we mounted to remind us that that's who we are. That's what we're committed to. But in reality, what happens is there are competing values that takes place, competing commitments in our lives. And that's why creating a culture, becoming more like Jesus is so difficult. So look at the text. If you look at the text, it says that... Um, in Peter's explanation to those hating on him and angry with him because he went into the house of a Gentile, which we discussed and expound, excavated many times during the last two weeks, he says something very interesting to detach him from the Gentiles and to give a rational reason. But there's a Freudian slip there that I want you to pay attention to. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us in, at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John the Baptist with water, but you would baptize with the Holy Spirit. So, if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Why does Peter say, I think I can stand in God's way. That's the Freudian psychology right there. Because it's bringing the unconscious to the surface. Peter was never really committed to polylithic diversity, right? He, he, he wanted faith to be monolithic, 
He was okay with monotheism, monotheistic, but he wasn't okay with diversity. And those were the collision of values in his life. He wanted the appearance of change, but not without really changing, right? He wanted relief from that. They knew, all the disciples knew what Jesus said to them, especially Peter, in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Right? Go to Jerusalem. They were fine with that, but they ignored what Jesus said to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you see these competing values, these internal commitments of racism and xenophobia. They didn't want to harbor, but it was just beneath the surface of value coming into collision with God's value. They wanted faith to be homogenous, not diverse, monolithic, not polylithic. And you see that conflict that those values come into play. They simply ignored what Jesus said because they didn't like it. And that's why this vision that we, we've discussed during the pandemic in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven telling Peter to eat of the four-legged reptiles, right? And don't call what I what I've cleaned unclean. It was directly dealing with those values, implicit values, axiomatic values, the behaviors. And and to be truthful and honest, Peter struggles with this xenophobic racial ten tendency and tension all his life. We see later in the New Testament, Apostle Paul rebuke him. Talk about meritocracy, how the cross ends that notion that the gospel is for all nations and it's inclusive to slave, free, gen, you know, male, female, Greek, Jew, everyone. I think that's very important because a lot of times the things we don't say and we pretend to not hear happens a lot in the church, right? For, for some, it might be a money issue. It might be tithing. Well, I don't... I'm just going to ignore the announcements, right? Yeah, we saw Minyang and Day in the Sun talk about it, put God in the center of your finances. That's that's a line, right? Like, oh, oh, whatever. It's not something I like. So because my value is my money is my money and God's money is God's money, but my money is my money. I don't care what the Bible says. Or it could be sexual purity or sexual integrity, right? Premarital sex or, or you know, adultery. There could be various. I don't know exactly where you guys, what values we're talking about here, but that's what could happen. That's exactly what happens. They were completely ignoring the part about racial reconciliation and, and God's vision, the Visio Day, influencing the Missio Day. <laughs> it reminds me of a story when I was a youth pastor um, where these kids in my church went to the prom and uh, they said that, a real funny story that they were sitting in the limo and they had to pay the limo driver. There were about four couples in the limo and they were short exactly one person's amount. And they kept talking to us. They're like, did you give money? And like, yeah, I gave my money. They just kept adding it again and again. And they're like, you're so bad at math. And everybody, someone, someone else added the money, you know. And two hours went and then, you know, two 
two hours gone by and, and uh, they, you know, they're just at loss until one student said nothing when he was the one who didn't give the money. They eventually had to ask him, Rich, did you give the money? And he said, no. <laughs> he figured if he didn't say anything, no one would ask and everybody would pay more. That's insidious. <laughs> and what, That's a good picture of what some people do in the church. Values never change because there's no friction. No one talks to them about it. Why bring it up? I'm just not going to do it. If we want to become, we want to create a community where becoming like Jesus is not a cliche. And really palpable. And I've seen this in our community. I've seen young people that come to our church um, thinking it's just like any other church. And I'm not saying 180 is special. I'm very um, critical of that, of that part that 180 is not a special church. But we are committed to become a community, to become more like Jesus. Because I know that when people come, they expect their previous experiences. And what they truly experience is a lot of the times we're not perfect, we're flawed. Yes. You know, I've heard in a few occasions people say, you guys really are trying to do this Jesus thing. That's their phrase. You're serious about this. And the people are like, yeah. Well, and, and one, one person a few years ago said, that's crazy. It's, that's like almost like cultish. No. It's become cultural because settling or lukewarmness has become acceptable and indicative. Ubiquitous in the church, but that's not our culture. And those are not our values, and that's not the values of Scripture in Acts 11. The Holy Spirit confronts and corrects. I've heard that. You guys are trying to do this Jesus thing for real. Yes, we are. And we're not finished yet. We're just getting started. So, here's the question. What are, what are some things you are choosing to ignore in your walk with God in this season? Simply because no one is bringing it up. But you're not bringing it up. There's no friction at all. If there's no friction, there's no growth. There's no change. We want to become like Jesus. We want to completely surrender our life to him and have him move in our lives, use us, operate in our lives, in us and through us. And there has to be friction and collision of values. But they have to be what? They have to be verbalized at times. And I pray the spirit with conviction to of some of, some of the things that you're ignoring in your walk with God this season. And directionally come back to the center. right now. So when we come to close in this series, we ask the question, excavated by Acts 11, is, is 
through that lens. How do we become a community that creates a culture where becoming like Jesus is not just cliche, but, but actually palpable? Well, the fourth part we have to examine are our applications. How? What's the strategy? How are we going to fulfill that vision? Were those values? Pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly, becoming more like him, to be led more by, to lead more like, and to lead more to Jesus becomes a reality in our community. Well, as we know, in July, the pandemic, New York City will fully open, all the theaters will open, and we will be going back. And we want to get right back. And I want to cast some vision, perhaps, uh, for all of us to know what we can do to create a culture of where becoming like Jesus is for real and not cliche at all, and what we're going to do. There are things that we already do, right? Like days in the sun. You know, I love the fact that different generations serve in day in the sun. And I think that's a fantastic way to uh, serve our church. But we did talk about the disconnect in generations, the age groups and the demographics. So one of the things we want to do to create better intersectionality, integration between our multi-generation communities, and there are two things I think we're trying to start. We're trying to create a basketball ministry where every generation could come together once in a while and get to know each other better. I think that's, that would be great, eating together. That's how 180 began, and I look forward to that. Uh, we want to ball with seekers. We want to, I want to trash talk. I want to give you my best five minutes and, and trash everybody in the court. I will be the best player for the five, well, at least three minutes or so until my back starts hurting. But we also want to launch a couple of new things that I want to unfold in the future, but we want to start life groups. And they're different from small groups because life groups is just different generations inviting each other into their lives. And just discipleship, how Jesus discipled his uh, chosen leaders, emerging leaders, the apostles, but that they live together. We want people to have dinner. We want um, college students and young adults in diaper rooms. You know, uh, a lot of the men that are married today did that with me. They babysat, they, they, they were changing diapers, Henry one time used a Clorox wipe on, on my young, uh, my oldest son. He'll never forgive him for that, by the way. But, but those are some of the things that we need. Intersectionality where we get skin on skin contact, life on life contact, where we get a vision for what it means to be a family person living for Christ in the city. But a lot of times the truth is many families disappear from the church because of the obligations that happen. But 180, it will be a different we're trying to live a, different, live a different way. So we want you over for dinners. We want people to do life together without an agenda, without curriculum. Just food, life, and no editing. You know, just as is. Because that's how Jesus changed his disciples, and that's how they became like him. And that's what we're going to do. And I want to launch that more where we do life on life. But in September, we are going to host a retreat for everyone. And this is something that I really missed a few years ago, but we're going to be holding a retreat on Labor Day for everyone. 
And this retreat will be fantastic because we're going to do a lot of community activities together where multi-generations can really get to know each other better. And we can pray together, talk all night, um, and have a fantastic time. So I want to really ask you to save that. If you're in New York City, you're coming back to New York City from different parts of the country and the world, come back in Labor Day. So you can be part of that and immerse yourself in community because we really together want to become a community. We want to create a culture where becoming like Jesus together in multi-generations, there's integration and a holistic spirituality and discipleship that takes place. And there will be many more that we'll do. But those are a few of the applications that we want to start. So, will you pray with me today? Lift your hands. And let's ask for the Holy Spirit to move. Holy Spirit, I pray that you, as waves of mercy, waves of grace, we pray that you would come to their community. And you would, young and old, would turn to Jesus. And we would see the sweetness of fellowship in the, in the early church take place in ours. And we would be in all of your movement. Help us to do our part. Show us what you're doing and help us to join you and be part of it. Father, we bless what you're doing. So would you lift your hands now and say, God, help me find those values. Help me draw a line in the sand today. Say, God, I give you all of me. Work through me and in me today. Let's sing and make us our prayer today.
you now pray, bow your heads for the benediction. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Until next time, can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye now. My name is Julie and I wanted to share with you um, how the online services helped me through one of the toughest times in my life. Um, COVID sucked <laughs> and um, in the height of it all, I couldn't sleep, my anxiety was through the roof um, and the unknown just scared me. <sighs> it was truly debilitating. but. The weekly online services is where I found solace because it was a weekly reminder that God loved me and He cared for me and that He would provide for me. Um, my favorite part was when Dr. Sammy would lead us to exhale all of our anxieties and inhale God's presence. And I found myself throughout the week whenever things got challenging or I was overwhelmed, I would just guide myself to exhale all of my anxiety and worries and inhale God's presence and His transcendent peace. And it just um, it helped me to not give up and gave me the strength to carry on and not give up on my dreams, hopes, and aspirations. So thank you 180 fam! Bye! Hi 180 fam! Hope you're all doing well and long time no see. I wanted to share how thankful I am for the 180 community for helping me get through this pandemic. Moving away from New York City and especially from 180 has been one of the hardest things to happen to me. And then throwing in the pandemic through it all made it so much harder to find any type of community out here. But the online Sunday services during COVID had made me continue to feel like a member of the 180 community. And that makes me so grateful for all of you all. I am so appreciative of Dr. Sammy, Pastor Lydia, Peeves, and the media team for the dedication during the week, recording and editing to get the message out every Sunday. Thank you guys so much for all that you do and for all that you've done for me. Love you all, bye. Hey 180, um, it's so good to see you guys back in church. It's been a year now and you know, it's crazy how things have changed. I'm actually now back in Hong Kong, but I will be visiting end of June, um, so I'll be there. Um, but yeah, I really hope to be back in New York City next year or maybe sometime down the line, whatever God has in store for me. Um, but how has COVID services encouraged our walk um, in, with God and community. I think COVID has really tested my faith in ways that really taught me how to surrender and just trust the process. My life now is actually so different from what I envisioned it to be a year ago. But I am so thankful of, you know, how God has shown me so much grace and love throughout the process of job hunting post-grad, which wasn't really the easiest thing. But yeah, now more than ever, it reminded me of how important community is and that we should never have to do life all alone. 180 Church, I miss you guys so much and you're always in my thoughts. And I'm really thankful to have come across this community in my final year of college. And yeah, I'm really blessed to be a part of this family and I hope to see you guys soon. Bye.
everyone, my name is Min Young. I'm a member here at 1AU Church and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1AU Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we feature every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.